Limerick have been waiting for. 
you know, every two weeks or you were playing camogie on the opposite week. And I really do feel that like girls were out, you know, playing competitive games, working really hard. And that really fed into our hands, as I said earlier. So I just feel like that worked in our favour. And of course, like post-COVID, I think a lot of us across the country at that um, have been much more appreciative of our football and our Gaelic games, whether it be the camogie, the handball or soccer, whatever it might be. Um, I think just, you know, people across the country in general are much hungrier and more appreciative um, of the games that we have to keep us going um, day in, day out, especially considering it was taken away from us so quickly back in March. And I just think that's important to note as well. Like, you know, that really does play into um, play into the game itself, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, your own club had actually great success this year as well, coming intermediate champions. Um could you tell us a little bit about that? Because you have, you did win the intermediate in 2016 and do it again must have been special after the lockdown and having no action at all. Oh, absolutely. Um, as you'd said, like we won that intermediate championship back in 2016 as well. And we went on to contest the Munster final against Kinsale. Unfortunately, we lost out on that day by four points. But um, if you look at our 2016 team and our 2020 team, I mean, it's totally different. The average age, I think, going back in 2016, it was something like 26 or something like that. Um, but now moving on to our 2020 team, it's it's a totally different team. Um, nothing like it was in 2016. And that that's just due to girls, you know, um, getting married. They were pregnant, moving off to Australia. So a few of my best friends actually left for Australia and would have been part of that 2016 team. But um, our average age, we were looking back at this only the other week. Um, our average age this year was 18 years of age. And that's really, really young age, like, you know, and we've just been really unlucky in the last three years where we've we've reached the semifinals and we're losing out in these semifinals by a point or two points. And it's just been absolutely sickening. And we just said to ourselves this year, you know, like that's not going to happen this year. And there was like we were looking at training sessions. We had 30 girls out training like they're post COVID, obviously, um, I suppose for myself and a few of the girls who were on the county squad, we were missing out on the gym work that those girls were doing. So our club girls were doing. And obviously we were devastated to miss out on that because we're a really tight knit club. Um, but as I said, like in 2020, we just said, that's it now, lads. If we don't come out with the championship this year, I just think we would have been absolutely gutted. And I really actually would question what would happen and um, to, you know, what would happen for 2021 campaign because we, we've been really, really hurt in the last few years uh, by missing out on those semi-finals because we really felt like we should have been contesting those. And we felt like, you know, we left them after us to a certain degree. And of course, like with our club, um, I have four of my sisters actually playing um, on the team ourselves. So there's five of us there. Uh, my dad trains the club um, along with two other lads, uh, Kevin Noonan and Killian Lynch. And of course, with Mike McCahey and my mum is in the manager. Like, so it's a massive family affair for us um you know and we've obviously been hurt as a family maybe but just the club in general like you know so it's it was a fantastic year and for the club and I suppose the most sickening thing that I have to add to this is that like while we did win the intermediate championship um the county board have put restrictions on promotions and relegations so there's actually going to be no promotion this year and um, and as I said, like, you know, we come out in 2020 saying that this was our year and to only be told now that like we won't be going up se senior is just um, I just can't understand it, really. And um, I just think like there's a lot of hard work that still went into the campaign. I can understand the relegations 
Um, I just I just question the promotions because all we want to do is we want to be up uh, playing the best teams in Limerick. Um, we want to be up against St. Ailby's, Mona Gay, Ballylanders. That's where we want to be. Um, unfortunately, the junior championship wasn't run off due to um, the second lockdown, I suppose. Um, so we're waiting for that final to actually be played. And it'll be interesting to see how the winners of that junior championship will feel about not being promoted to intermediate because I'm pretty sure they're going to be feeling the same way we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose like it's probably more work this year than any other year, um, especially with the lockdown. And then to be told, okay, you can have your cup, but you can't get the reward you actually want, which is promotion. Absolutely. And like all you want to be doing is you want to be playing the top teams. Like, um, and as I said, like while I understand, like, you know, you're saying you were working hard as ever, like, you know, the window was very, very small this year before you were championship ready. So the trainings were really, really intense. And of course, like during lockdown, I mean, we were really lucky with our county squad this year, so our inter-county squad this year. Um, but I might also add our club, um, our club managers and our club trainers are fantastic. Like we had plenty of gym programs to be doing. We had plenty of plenty of running programs to be doing, should we want to. And we were just really lucky, like with the club year that we've had and the inter-county year that we've had, that a lot of girls bought into them. Um, we worked really hard for it um so that's why i'm just really you know upset about the whole idea of not moving up um and it's something that just doesn't sit right with me unfortunately uh, that's the one that you hope will be right right but again it's the same yeah. it's kind of the same thing you're just you really need to keep hammering at the door um just looking uh like your own club already um the great kind of tradition especially with limerick you do a few of the girls there in 2010 on the panel were they an inspiration for the likes of you coming up, uh, joining the Limerick team? Oh, hugely. Um, hugely inspirational there for us. Um, these were big players like in our club and always have been from under 11s, under 12s up. Um, one of those players was actually Claude Reedy. She's my aunt. Uh, there's only six years between us. Like there's, there's nothing between us. And in 2010, like I would have followed them all around the country like when they were going. And... Like for me, I remember being there um, in 2010 when they won that final and I was like, oh, lads, I would love, love, love that, um, you know, love that to be me. And I suppose like that's a massive drive there for me. Like, you know, it's 10 years on. Um, I just think 10 years is quite significant in itself. And um, so I'd love like to, you know, see the interchange there from my aunt to, you know, maybe myself um, on the field. Unfortunately, like it's not going to be Crow Park um, this year, but in Ireland, you know, in our Ireland final is in our Ireland final at the end of the day. But like those girls were hugely inspirational in our club. And um, they would have also been playing in 2016. And unfortunately, like those girls in question, so Claude Reedy, Joanna Gorman, Jennifer Stokes, unfortunately, those girls have moved on now. So they've pushed out, you know, they're tipping, they're tipping on. So they're living away and like Dublin, Galway, and they've all just moved on. And you know what, like their traditions and all of their successes have been passed on to the club and of course it's so highly recognized um but they were huge role models for us growing up um i suppose for me myself like i would have been down to the training field with them um ever since i can remember so like despite being six years their junior like i would have been trying to train away with them like um so of course like huge role models like and you know we're very appreciative to have girls like that um represent our club and of course, we're pushing on now. So we've got new girls um, representing our club at um, adult level on the inter-county scene. And, you know, it'd be great to see that continue to happen and to continue to have such 
you know, great role models for our club and to see girls, you know, have that bit more um, inspiration to push on and drive on and to um, compete. Yeah, um, I just want to mention as well, I hope you don't mind, um, like you, when you seen the coming through in 2010 and you're very much on track competing in underage panels, can you talk to us a bit about your 2014? Because that was a year where I suppose things went a bit off plan. Yeah, so I actually had made my inter-county debut in um, 2014. So I would have been um, 18 or 19 at the time. Um, I was also playing with um, UL as well at the time. Um, unfortunately, though, I, I suffered. Um, uh, I was just in a car accident. It's nothing major. I don't want to make any big deal out of it. So I just was uh, ruled out due to injury. So I had to take that year to myself. And I suppose just taking that year out myself, um, I just never really got back into the inter-county scene. And um, very quickly, you can see like 2014, I was I didn't play in 2015, but then in 2016, that's when we actually won with our with our club. Um, we won that championship and moved on into the Munster series to contest that Munster final, as I had said. And just unfortunately, the way things fell, I suppose, like, you know, life took over. I was traveling. I was after getting um, my teaching job, for example. Um, I was off in Greece. I was off in Thailand. I really did travel. And I suppose at the time, I just didn't really see how um, inter-county had fit into my schedule at that time. And, you know, looking back, like it is a huge regret of mine that I didn't maybe push on to that um, and maybe, you know, look to be a part of that panel at an earlier stage um but as i like to think like you know 2020 was a huge drive for me in itself and when it came up and donald ryan had opened trials i just said you know what my sister now was with me and we said you know what we'll just we're just going to actually throw our hats at it this year and have a go and see how we get on and we were just hugely impressed by the setup and you know to this day this is where we are now um contesting and our Ireland semi-finals so we haven't looked back since and I don't plan to anytime soon. <laughs> so this is your first year back on the panel then since 2014? Yeah, so it's a big, it's a big gap. It's a six-year gap. Um, I suppose the only thing that really kept us competitive, as I'd said, like we were contesting semi-finals um, all the way along. Um, you know, and it's just the new year, um, 2020, the whole year promoting women's sport. And um, this is where we are now. So yeah, it's it's been six years. But, um, you know, um, what a way to come back and to come on and to contest in All Ireland um, semi-final um, at the weekend in November, might I add, which is something that we weren't expecting either. Is it tough coming back after that cap and then you're being told, OK, there's a new manager and here, Neve, you're the captain of the squad. What's that first few training sessions like? Um, you know what? It it took it was a couple of months. We were actually back training in um November and there there has been a huge turnaround of girls coming into the squad this year. It's a very huge youthful squad. Um a lot of those girls had actually played underage with Donald Ryan and he would have brought them on. Um and you know, like of course I was obviously honored um with the task of taking on Captain 2020. Um, but like looking onto those girls, like they're such a fantastic group and there's a huge like dynamic about us. And, you know, like I know that we didn't necessarily perform hugely on the scoreboard in the league campaign, but we actually are quite close. Um, we really do work hard and we try to push each other as best as we can. So like being appointed um, captain, I, I just like to, you know, believe that Donald Ryan had seen something in me. 
And that was something that I took really, really seriously and something that I've taken, you know, quite, um, you know, pride in for the last couple of months and something that um, I am obviously really proud of. So like, you know, that's something for your family there and your friends. But most importantly, I just hope that like I'm doing a job there for the squad themselves, you know, and, and taking on, um, you know, whatever concerns they may have or talking to me. But there, I, I'd like to think that there's something there. <laughs> I'm just looking, you mentioned your sister, Maeve, like it's a, a real fa a family that's really steeped in Limerick J. Your father, Moss, involved with the club, your mother as well, your aunt winning, uh, winning the All-Ireland in 2010, and your uncle, Michael Reedy, as well. He was Limerick yeah. as well. Yeah, like we're like, you know, we're we were just immersed in uh, GA from a really, really young age. Like, as, as I said, like I remember being back. I just remember being like four or five years of age, like training with the under 12s, like thinking, you know, like this was great. And I was really up to their standards, which I wasn't. But, you know, it was the culture in the club at the time was just really, really positive. And they, I was like a little mascot, I suppose, if anything. But like, yes, our, our family is in, incredibly immersed in the GA. Like my dad would have been with Jim Brawford um, for years, the Jim Brawford senior football teams, bringing them from junior to senior standard. And I remember those glory days, like when they were winning championships back to back, like at senior standard, like, and I remember that really, really well, the bonfires, the parades afterwards. Um, so I suppose when you're introduced to success at such a young age, you know, that's a massive drive in itself. Um, you know, like dad just doesn't let up. I mean, we could be analysing games there at the weekend, whether it be hurling, football, soccer, rugby, you name it. Like we're sitting down there with dad and, you know, we're all engaged in the conversation and like the play is the ball going backwards, is it going forwards, is it left leg, right side, right leg, right side. I mean, like it's it's real, real family affair. Like, and it has been passed down like from generation to generation. So my uncle Michal obviously is was involved with the Limerick um, footballers back in his day as well, and Joda involved with the Limerick footballers as well. And it's just something that we'd love to see, like you know, continue down the generations. And um, so hopefully that's something that we'll see continue going forward. But like it is a big family affair, like, and we take great pride in that as well. Um, but like the club itself, like, is is just really you know established, and there's a really really good culture there at the moment. So like with our club at the moment, and um, we'd actually be entering the Munster series. And that's now the date has been set for January. So like, you know, the club is still thriving and it's a really, really good place for ladies football in our club at the moment. And that's something that we'd like to see continue. One of the, I'm just going to uh, change subject slightly. One of the things you mentioned about 2020 and the whole 2020 initiative, um, how do you think that's been fair and so far since it was introduced? You know, we've seen the attendances grow at bigger games, but maybe at smaller games, they're not the same. And then we see little bits of friction mm. between the Ladies Football Association and the Camogie Association. So what's your thoughts on the 2020 initiative? Unfortunately, yeah, I just think like the 2020 campaign like has been hugely affected by COVID-19, um, especially when like when we're trying to increase, you know, media presence by 20 percent. We're trying to increase um, participation by girls by 20 percent. And we're also trying to increase. And um, the attendance is by 20%. But like, that's one of those goals already cut. Like, you know, the attendance is just can't, we can't fulfill that um, that goal because, you know, the restrictions, there's no spectators at games. Um, but in fairness, like to the LGFA, I've been hugely impressed by, you know, how they took that on board. Um, all of these games, you know, all of the county games, no matter what round that they were in, whether it was first round, second round, they were all streamed on their Facebook page. Or they've also, um, what the LGFA, they've also made a partnership with um, 
it's Mac Mem, Mac M streaming. And that's who's been streaming our games actually as of late. And they've really made like a massive, um, I suppose, stance there by streaming every single one of those games, no matter if it's junior, intermediate or senior, they have gone off and they've done it. And with that, they've actually brought fantastic um, commentary with it. So you'd have two commentators commenting in the game. And that's something that you didn't always see. And um, so to have that now, like it's fantastic because it is raising the, the media platform um, for women's sport. So like we're starting to see them streamed. We're starting to see them on television. So I know like the, the whole idea of the people attending isn't there, but like we're trying to reach a larger audience. So like that's really, really good, I think. Um, in terms of the exposure, then like we're now seeing um, girls on RT Sport and TG Cahar, of course, like um, have always been fantastic. Um, supporters of ladies sport and to see all those on the television I mean that's that's great like watching our math weekend like I mean what a treat to see um Amy Amy what is I can't even think Amy Mackin Amy Mackin and Ashley Maloney like to be scoring fantastic scores like that you know I suppose wasn't really recognized in, in ladies football um to a certain extent like you know it's a very very skillful game and there's a lot of girls out there who are putting their hands up and you start to see their names over Twitter and they're you know, they're hashtagged on Twitter, which is lovely to see. Um, I suppose one that maybe, you know, the whole idea of participation, so increasing the partic participation by 20%, a lot of clubs have really come onto the scene and the LJFA are working with the clubs there to um, increase that participation, um, whether it be for smallies now, like who are introduced to maybe the games at under sixes and under eights, and you'd often have caught me down at the community field taking you know young girls at that age to try to get them interested in sport because like being interested or being or playing sport is so important and um, for your development you know whether it be social development physical development or mental development like it's a massive massive um outlook there for young girls and hopefully you know we we keep them involved and we keep them ticking away and we'd love to see some of those younger girls um coming up into the adult panels but I just think there with participation there, um, if we want to increase by 20%, we really do need to see girls, um, whether it be from their club or from the county scene, um, to just, you know, act as really, really good role models for them and get involved in their training sessions. It might be taking a training session um, once a month on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, but get involved because like those kind of, you know, stances really do step up and girls do recognise, um, you know, they appreciate that and they recognize that, you know, we're, they're important in the club and that there is belief in them, you know? So I just think that's really important. Yeah, it just seems even with um, with the senior, with even senior intercounty games, it seems like uh, times in the past where you're almost, it's almost just uh, parents, partners and all that going. So I think there's a big mm -hmm. thing, and I suppose we are getting through is to, bring people, bring local clubs into it and say, okay, this is what Neve McCarthy from your club is doing. You could be just like her if you work hard. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like that's, that's, I think that's really, really important. And as I said, like, there's a lot of girls there who've, you know, stepped up and they're on live television, you know, and they're, they're huge role models. Like, I mean, you know, everyone's heard of Ashley Maloney at this stage and we're only starting to hear of other girls now, you know, their names are starting to crop up. Like, so like Amy Mackin, like, I mean, I, I personally had never heard of her. And then you see her like playing such fantastic football for, Mar for Marmah and she was, 
you know, we were inside school here on Monday morning and that's what we were talking about, like ladies sport, which is just fantastic. And that's not just, you know, coming from women. It's it's now just, you know, the men are getting involved and we see this all on the television. So like by taking that step and, you know, putting these games on television, it really is, um, I suppose, you know, letting other people see what, you know, women's sport can do and that it's, you know, these girls are really talented and these girls work just as hard um, as men, you know. Yeah, exactly. I think people are beginning to sense that now, especially with the 2020 initiative. I just want to bring it back to Limerick again. Um, you've had, it's been real up and down for years for the county. You won one in 2018, won the junior against Loud, then got relegation in 2019. And now this year again, you're in an All-Ireland semi-final. It just seems that, in fairness, Dona Ryan seems to have brought a bit of um, stability and you'd be hoping that you can make that push forward against Romana and then hopefully if you can in the final as well yeah um unfortunately yeah it, it's been um you know it as you said it has been up and down um but john ryan did fantastic did fantastic work um with the counties with the county in 2018 and unfortunately like you know things just went the way they did in 2019 um it wasn't something that anyone went out to do um you know it's it's just the way that the cookie crumbles unfortunately in so in some cases um, but like hopefully like we we will hope to see Donald rain for another while and to keep girls and um, the current squad you know on track and let's you know build the squad and try to be a little bit more um I suppose what's we're looking for consistent I suppose in our performances um you know and it, like you can't build Rome in a day it's it's going to take time um it's all about you know developing the squad that's there we're absolutely delighted to be in the position that we are in at the moment but you know like this is something that we need to carry on to next year you know we can't forget about the work that we've done this year um if we hope to be successful next year so i just hope that like you know we can be much more consistent in our performances and um in our successes as well um but it's a credit to the girls that are there like you know like we have to keep flooding these teams and you know it's it's you know, blood in the youth as well and pass on the wealth and experience that the older players have. And um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be um, a challenge in itself, but we do need to be much more consistent in our inter-county campaigns. Yeah, I think that's, that is a very good point. And just finally, I know I usually when I do these, I usually have like former players on asking about predictions, but it would be, it would be, I'm not going to ask you because in fairness, when you're involved, it's awful hard, but Fermanagh, it does promise to be a daunting task, but if you do if you do manage to get over it, like what an opportunity really to to move up, and especially with the age profile of that squad, you're only going to get better as well. Absolutely, yeah. Look, we we're totally aware that we're going to be up um, for a challenge at the weekend, and all we want to do is live up to that challenge. You know, we just want to work really, really hard. We want to play our game. You know, we know what Fermanagh's game is, but we want to play our game, and we're going to challenge them. You know, to take us on. And um, there, it's not going to be an easy task on either side. It's going to be a bloodbath to a certain extent. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really physical game. Um, you know, and the conditions are very, very different now. You know, it's not really championship football. You know, it's wet, dirty, windy. It's 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 really, really tough conditions um, that you're up playing against. So, do I think that that's going to have an effect on the game? I do, but I would like to think that. Um, we are going to put it up to them absolutely and that's our intention you know and um, we are aware of it and it's something that you know we've now taken on board we've accepted that and we're now working on our own game to prepare ourselves for the weekend it promises to be an entertaining tussle this sunday with limerick just one game away from securing a place 
in the All-Ireland Final. My thanks to you, Neve, for coming on the show today. Thanks, Ivan, as well. Thank you, too. <laughs> In this part of the show, I'm joined by Limerick Voice digital reporter Aidan Corbett as we look back on the Republic of Ireland's series of games in what has been a very disappointing year for Stephen Kenny's side. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll all be glad to see the back of 2020 for more reasons than one now. Uh, it's just been every international break, it just seems to get worse and worse now. Um, you try and look for the positives, but... They're just like, you're just hopeful it's going to get better more than it's actually getting better. Yeah, just, and there's there's so much to go through. To ask, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Uh, but one of the things, the goals situation, one goal in eight, we're currently 11 hours without a goal. I know we keep missing the guys like, the guys like Aaron Connolly, Dave McGolder, it's retired. It's got to be a big concern for Stephen Kenny heading into those World Cup qualifiers. Uh, definitely. But the weird, the thing that's scaring me the most watching Ireland is there seems to be a lot of sloppy chances given away recently, which I we didn't see under Martin O'Neill and Mick McCarthy, and it's got it's got you worried. Like, like there could have been a few more goals shipped in, like and especially against England, that could have been a lot worse than three. Um, I think there was a moment. Um, against Bulgaria, where I think it was a set piece, and it was just, uh, I think it was an easy chance miss from about 10 yards out, where I just conceded it was going to be a goal, and it was going to be another one of those nights where we start well, then the tempo drops, and then the second half, we just kind of let a sloppy one in, and we can't get find our way back. Yeah, as you mentioned, there is, you're actually bang on about uh, the defensive issues as well. There, It seems when we're going to attack, in fairness, we're creating some chances, we're just not converting, but at the back, um, Duffy seems to be having a torrid time with Celtic and even with Ireland, he's he's fallen below the usual standard. Randolph has saved us a few times. That Bulgaria chance you mentioned, Wales could have scored more and England definitely could have hit more than three. Really, they let their foot off the gas. Um, it was, uh, I think it was the last time we spoke was the last international break, which can't have been more than four weeks ago. And we were all saying how Shane Duffy, oh, he looks amazing, like moving up to Celtic was great. He's pinging balls everywhere. He, he looks even better than he did before. And it's like five, six weeks later, and it just looks like such a different proposition looking at Shane Duffy now. Um, obviously, he's not the man to blame. Like, it's a, it, it, there's issues all over the pitch. Um, a lot of things have happened. Jeff Hendrick, after the Slovakia game, looked amazing. And he's kind of returned back to his shell, it seems. Uh, obviously, he wasn't playing the last game. And uh, the red card wasn't really his fault. Um, but uh, it just seems, I think the midfield needs a complete overhaul. I think we just need to get youth in there now. Um, I think Stephen Kenny should probably just persist and go all in on the next generation now. Because you're just seeing like the midfield, the people at the stalwarts aren't cutting it in the midfield. Yeah, it's one of those. I look. You look at the likes of Horhan and Brady. You now Brady did rattle the crossbar against Bulgaria. He hasn't produced really since the Euros in 2016. It's it's frustrating when you've got a squad that's probably just as good as Scotland's. You see them going off on paper anyway, but we're just not producing in the final third. Especially the Premier League players, the ones who you expect to deliver the most, are the ones who are. I don't know if this sounds harsh, delivering the least. 
Yeah, it's um, it's hard because you're looking at um, people like Jason Knight, who's, I don't even think he's 20 years old yet, and he gets around the pitch. He's only about, he's not he's not even six foot, but he puts himself about like he's six foot three. Like, he, he doesn't matter. He doesn't care who he's, who he's up against for a 50-50. Same with Jack Byrne, and he's even smaller. Like, I want those lads getting in, whereas like Conor and it's just kind of neat and tidy. But like, there's no tenacity. There's no incision. There's no, I won't, like, at least Robbie Brady would take a dig from 20 yards. But aside from that, I've been seeing people say, well, he only made four passes in 80 minutes. And it was like, uh, yeah. But like the one man who didn't go disappearing from that midfield three the other night was Jason Knight. And he's a teenager. Yeah. The, in fairness, like we've seen, and I've read your piece you did for the Limerick Voice, um, you're a big fan of uh, Jack Burns. Now we have really been missing that creative force since... Wes Hoolan retired now and other different players, but he seems to be one of the few who actually can thread a pass and can actually create an opportunity for our footmen. He plays forward passes, which no one else does. <laughs> like I like I get like Jason Knight, he'll drive. Jack Byrne just plays at 15 yards. He'll just play it into the right wing or left winger or centre forward and just and then the next phase, if we lose it. He's right there to recycle it, and we have it 30 yards further up the pitch anyway. He's fantastic at what he does, and I'll admit, I I didn't watch a lot of him before he got his call-ups recently, but in the games he's played, you kind of just want to see more of him now, and it's just kind of like, well, he's offering something no one else is, and when he's on the pitch, we look like we'll create a chance, Whereas the only, when he's not on the pitch, I'm just hoping like Enda Stevens can create a chance and he wasn't available for any of these three games because he looks to be the most promising attacking outlet and he's playing left back. Yeah, geez, it's, it's Stephen Kenny, you don't even know where to start with the problems. It's just been another international break dogged with, as you mentioned, 14 out of the 26 man original panel not able to play the, oh, three games for a variety of reasons. You look at then got in fairness guys like Ryan Manning, Darrow O'Shea especially stood up, but it it's you're almost playing one hand behind your back here when you've got the likes of Colin Lee and those missing Callum Robinson as well. Yeah, um, it's um, frustrating because you wonder how um, the Wales match could have gone because we've played Wales who've been promoted to League A and we've drawn at home and lost by a goal away, but at the same time. You're looking at it like, geez, I don't even know. Like we've we've been in Group B, League B now, the UEFA Nations League, in two campaigns. We've picked up five draws and scored two goals in ten games. Like if you can, we haven't won a match in ten games at this tier, this level. That is worrying, and it just makes you think. You kind of like. If Bulgaria would have just nicked a goal, we would have gone into League C and maybe we would have had a Scotland where like we just got a bit of confidence going into League C, got a few wins. Hey, look at what Scotland did. Through the Nations League system, they were able to get to a playoff and they won that playoff and they'll now be in the Euros because they were in League C. Yeah, in fairness, now they did really gain they have gained the momentum, as you said. I was nearly looking at that Bulgaria game. You always you always we always want them to win, of course. You don't want to see your national team lose, but it's just you're you're stuck in the same place and you're not getting any results. You're playing your Denmark's and your Wales every single time. Um, 
like just looking even I'm going to look ahead now to this World Cup campaign because looking back there's not a whole lot of positives to look back on so looking forward it's a tough it's a tough tough campaign you've 13 places up for grabs 10 groups like your first place teams win it you, they go through and then you've three runners up spots among the, all the second place teams like this is and we're in the third seeds as well so this is pretty bad situation to be in it's a bad situation but I'm looking at like the pot two teams and I'm actually sort of weirdly glad we're in pot three because the pot three teams scare me more than the pot two teams because they're the sort of teams that I would worry again like when we seem to be favourites or a pot two team in a group we don't perform but when we're pot three and we, we're, we're the underdogs we seem to turn up so if we get a favourable pot one draw which is basically avoiding Belgium France England Portugal Spain Italy Germany and the Netherlands and you look out with Denmark again or Croatia who aren't the side they were in 2018 that's a lot that's a very aging squad now and then pot two you hope we don't get Wales again you hope we don't get Austria again we faced those two sides so much over this past decade but like you're looking at Switzerland we had them in the uh, in the Euros group got a draw at home lost away but they didn't look that much better than us they have some great players but again, could be competitive. And like the rest of the pot two teams, fine. Pot four, there's some good teams in as well, which we struggle with. We've struggled against Georgia over the past eight years, however long it's been. We seem to get them in every group stage. It's kind of ridiculous. But to be honest, looking at the, the pot four teams, all of them, bar Luxembourg, look, look like they would give us pr- problems pretty much. And Luxembourg are a vast improved nation over what we would have perceived 10, 15 years ago. And then pot five, if you're not getting six points out of the pot five teams, you're not going to qualify. And that's what Stephen Kenny, Stephen Kenny has to be able to turn this team into a team that can score three goals against the, the, the wooden spoon team of the group, because we've seen it far too often where we're trying to get that playoff spot and maybe keeping tabs on first until we play them maybe away and then they've kind of, oh, they've run away with it now. We just have to fight for second. And then you're looking at the team we're competing with and their goal difference is like plus nine and ours is plus one. And the little things can make vast difference. And we really just need to hope that Stephen Kenny can get things clicking in the attacking department and hope hope for the best at the other end. I, I think the midfield is what blows this whole thing wide open. It's like you need someone that you can trust to protect so that when we are attacking, it's not just two people sitting back and then everyone's running to cover to the corners where we're usually getting hit on. Or And then you also need the midfield to have that creativity because you can't just leave three people up there and like, oh, sort it out yourselves. You, You can grab it first. We'll just like pass it sideways and hope for the best and maybe get a set piece. And Shane Duffy will pop up with a goal, which he has done a lot for us. But yeah, it's it's just tough. Like like I said, I said in that piece that the midfield three I would like to see going into that campaign would be Jason Knight, Jay Malumby, and Jack Byrne because I think you could Jason Knight and Jay Malumby. No midfield is going to get a moment's peace with those two running about, and then you have Jack Byrne. They they can they can both play as well, and they can drive with it. They're, they're tenacious. They'll put a tackle in, but they've also got quality on the ball. And then you have Jack Byrne who can give us that Wesley Houlihan moment 
and he can just pick out like the cross he picked out the other night I thought was a certain goal at the back stick uh, just wasn't to be but he just looks dangerous when he's on the field and he needs to get more than 15 minutes from now on as far as I'm concerned unless there's another number 10 that's just going to fall into our laps If you could pick a front three going into that World Cup qualifiers everyone's fit everyone's firing um, McGoldrick's still retired who are you who are you picking? It's tough now because like the recent teams that are in your brain, you're trying to remember who was who was out. I think Callum Robinson has been very impressive. Um, I would have him. I'd have Aaron Connolly from the left. I'd have Robinson through the middle. It's just that right hand side that's very, it's very difficult right now because the only left footed winger we have are the wingers we have are James McLean, who is more an out and out left winger, and he's about 32, 33 now. Probably, I think this Nations League might have been his last campaign. Um, depends how Kenny wants to go about things. Um, Callum O'Dowd uh, has moments, but again, he hasn't had a moment in an Ireland jersey yet. But to be honest, no one really has over the past two years. But yeah, for now, you'd probably stick with um, uh, O'Dowd on the right. But Daryl Horgan's been very impressive when he's played there. I think he's definitely proved himself to... I think he's definitely gone up to peck in order. Uh, from where he was two months ago. You just need guys like Parrot and Ida to have a game or two and just to be able to get get a few goals at club level and then bring that onto the international scene because the established players, their form in the green jersey just seems to dip, unfortunately. Uh, I would say there... He can go and he can go with playing Coleman as a, as the right centre-half and playing Doherty as a right wing-back and Stephen as a left wing-back, which both suit them a lot more. And then you have the three in midfield, then you have the two up top where you play one in behind, maybe a Jack Byrne in behind a Callum Robinson or a Troy Parrish or an Adam Eda. Or you can go with a flat four, then the three midfield, and then a Jack Byrne, and then two up top of maybe Parrot and Robinson or Ida and Robinson. There's definitely ways getting around our um, lack of uh, wingers right now because we just don't... The way Kenny wants to play, it seems he wants that left-footed right winger and... There's only Callum Robinson really available for him. That brings us to the end of this week's show. My thanks to Aidan and to Limerick Ladies Football Captain Neve McCarthy, who we had on earlier previewing Limerick's All Ireland semi final against Fermanagh. My thanks to everyone for listening. Bye for now.